Welcome to the Farlight Podcast, episode 33 triple digits. We are taking a detour from our regular uh, scheduled events into what has been promised for a long time, and I've been pretty excited about uh, this, a Marky Smith solo and guest spot mini bracket. The first round is three episodes because prolific as he was, we saw 90 odd songs that he guested on or uh, collaborated. So we'll be um, doing a, a bit of a showdown of the first 30 of those today, which is madness. And just in time to celebrate uh, four years since the good man himself left us, joined as always by Monsieur Pippington Beard, flummoxed by Hogarthian aspirations. And vocal interplay. <laughs> Indeed. I'm just marvelling at the uh, outside flavourness of it. Hello. Lord Sage Temple, conurbation lover. How goes Good it? Good evening. Very well. Very well indeed. I'm so sorry that I got pipped to the post by the outside flavourness. Aye, aye. The Pemberton walk over there, hanging suspiciously around the bins of the largest food production plant in Europe. What are you up to, Al? I'm, uh, I'm enjoying this cup of coffee. Thank you very much. Very nice. Me too. Decaf, though, it's late. And <laughs> possibly, I'm hoping, joined uh, by, by Timothy Three, who's um, sparring with former clergymen carrying heavy rates around their neck. It's a heavyweight that we all carry, including myself, Tree Beards, the host. But without further ado, why don't we launch into what has been described as some songs that had an involvement by Marky Smith at some point. We are going to hear No Retreat, a collaboration with Ed Blaney. The Coat, another Blaney collaboration. Hustle, same. Music number 11 from uh, Panda Panza Panza, which I'm probably saying in the wrong order, which I kind of cheated and against Mark's best wishes, chopped it up into individual tracks just so we could uh, save each one of them. And music number two, so strap in, we're going to give these one-word reviews. I was some kind of loser, does my presence confuse you? Does your heart hold a future with me? On the road, round the mountain, you can hear the feet pounding on a march. Hey, I'm trying to... This is Jack, this is to get you back. The cat. Oh, we found it. Ed, Rick, 
iron, bath, sweat, pain on lead, water tanks. You'd pay good money for that, Olive. It was on sublime frequencies. <laughs> All right, so what we've got there is No Retreat, The Coat, Hustle, Music 11, and Music 2. I'm going to ask you for a one-word review of those tracks. Alistair, what did you make of No Retreat? Yes. Question Ez mark. Ezra? Gankula. Philip? <laughs> I thought it was rocking. Unfortunately, Smith <laughs> didn't seem to appear on that clip. We're right in the obscure stuff. Um, but the thing is, you know, that might be where the gems lie. We're moving on to the coat. Ezra, what did you make of the coat? The spoken word epic. Vesticular. Oh, Alistair. <laughs> yeah, just what Ezra said. Okay, but but more, more vehement. <laughs> uh, Philip, I thought it was charming. <laughs> We can talk about it in depth more, but, you know, where's the fucking taxi cunt? But with some nice chords underneath it. Come on, what's that? I love you, 43. Like, I'm not convinced he knew he was being recorded. Oh. All right. Anyway, so what do we think about Hustle? That was the, the found sound or field recording, Alistair. What do you make of that? It's the Tweety so, Bird one. Oh, that, yeah, that was a nice sort of uh, soundscape um, going on there. But, well, dead annoying to some people, no doubt, but, um, yeah, I didn't mind it. Pleasant. I thought it was very pleasant i'd listen to hours of mark smith wandering around and occasionally popping in on his dictaphone ezra what about you my one word review is lay 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 okay phil rigby no nice good good so music 11 was the one that was a bit ambienty wasn't it what about what about that one, Phil? For you, it's a uh, big. I'm a big fan of uh, monotones. So the Panda Panza Panda is one long piece, but when you split it up, there's all these little pieces, and and I don't know how much Mark had to do with those, but they're very nice. I, I like them. I mean, in another context, I would not be. Um, I would not well, be I mean, put off. Can I? Can I? Uh, can I? Can I share something that it Please reminds? See if this works. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. I have a bad case of diarrhea. That's what it reminded me of. Uh, who is this? Is that Sean and Knife or Sibo um, Mato? I, did, I completely ripped that off WFMU. It was just something nice. they played through the regular best. So I'm sure Al's heard it before. Demo Honto wa ano giri janai watashi wa chota benpi, de sho? 
<laughs> Something for the Japanese speakers out there. It's very nice, though, Phil. You, um, but what was your point? It reminded me of. Okay. I liked it a lot. Uh, Alistair, what did you make of the Ambiente Music 11? Yes. Very good. Ezra, yourself? Pad. Okay, nice. Now, some people might say that this was not the way we should have started the first 15 minutes of this podcast, but I wouldn't say that. I'd say that similarly to a, a Marky Smith solo endeavor, it, re- it rewards patience. Uh, music 2 was the one that sounds like the one you just played there, Phil, which, which sounded like he had just taken a language learning cassette and uh, dropped in bits of it. What about that one, Al? Surely that appealed to you. Yeah, it was amusing. Ezra, what about that one for you? We're fine. We're all fine. It's all fine. (laughs) Uh, Yes, uh, my one-word review is lingual. Nice. Very good. So I, I thought a lot of that music was charming, but I'm easily pleased. Let's move on to the next batch. Do we get two words this time? Two words, yes. You know the rules. It Happy is, birthday, Mouse on Mars. Wrong. Happy birthday. From Eleanor. And Marky Smith from the phone. 21 again. 21 again. You've got the key of the door. And you're fucking useless, as before. Alles Gute zum Geburtstag. Alles gut. Alles gut. Ist klar. Auf nochmal 21 Jahre. We agree with you. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Isn't it? It's his favourite fruit, as he's told Stuart McCorney in that exclusive interview. Uh, this next one's about my hometown. It's called Idiot Joy Show Lounge. Yeah. <laughs> Idiot groups with no shape or form. Out of their heads on a quid of blow, their shapeless trousers flapping up a storm, looking what they are, a pack of worms. The nylon leaves are falling from the twisted shell of your cranium. Your twisted jogsuit cannot hide your competitive plagiarism. An idiot joy show lounge. They won't let me go home to One, the seas of Rome. They won't let me go home to the seas of Rome. This is not some mere executive guest at an Italian waiter suit. I am Marky Smith, guest of Clint Boone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be 
So we heard the 21 again off the Mouse on Mars, I guess, tribute, celebration or whatever it was. Mount Street Sermon off uh, Panda Panza Panza. Uh, Music 10 off the same one. Idiot Joy also off Panda Panza Panza. I'm seeing a pattern emerge here. And then Clint Moon experience, which was um, on one of his B-sides, but also, also strangely enough, was put on that fall best of compilation, The World Bewitched. What do you got to say about that, Phil? 21 again. Two word review, please. Happy birthday. Very nice. Ezra. Lovely, cuddly. It is, isn't it? Alistair. It's Mark. Hi. I love his mm. soft lad drawling. I'm for Mark and Eleni. Mark from the fall. <laughs> Not Mark from down the street. Mark from that band, what we did. Oh, it's very sweet, isn't it? However, he didn't get a lot of points. Uh, Mount Street Sermon, which is a somewhat dubby effort off Panda Panza Panza. What do you reckon to that, Ezra? Uh, Amphetamine kumquat. Yes, nice. Alistair. More pandas. Exactly. Philip. Don't have a two-word review for it. All, all I keep thinking of is that Day Roof song. Panda, panda. <laughs> That's a good song, that, isn't it? It's a good song. I think it's dubby and cool. Insecurity camera. I like it. I like all this stuff. <laughs> Once you're in your 20 or 30, listen, it's inescapable, isn't it? However, it was outranked by music number 10, which was just an acid squelch, I think. <laughs> what do you make of that, uh, that single acid squelch, Al? Squelchy! <laughs> Squelchy in many ways. It was precog for the Von Sudenfeld stuff. Uh, Ezra, what about you? Phantasmagoric flatulence. Nice. You're, you are a squelch uh, synth fan, are you? I certainly am. I Good. love a squelch. There's a bit more coming up later. Philip? Inoffensive. Inoffensive. The sound itself is quite offensive. We used to have a sound man who would always rail against farty and squelchy noises <laughs> with his cosh. <laughs> but um, I quite like it. I think I'd like a lot more squelch. I'm a squelch fan. Give me acid all day long and all night. Acid. Idiot Joy Showland. Al. And turning it off. Ezra. Stand up crank. Aye. <laughs> Philip. Cigarello Bongo. I mean, it's already in the main mix and we love it. It's a great track. Some of his best lyrics, but uh, it still works, I think, as a spoken word piece. is very funny. Stand up Cigarello Bongo, indeed. Uh, and then the last in this round, Clint Moon's I Want to Be Your Dog. A cover, I believe, by Iguido Pop and the Stooges, if I'm not mistaken. Ezra, I remember when this first popped up, you um you said it was a magnificent piece. And let me just see how many points you oh you gave it um one point. That's right. Out of a possible ten. Defend that in two words, please. Well, before I do that, I will preface it with the comment alcohol is a hell of a drug. <laughs> it can really, really improve music, especially garage rock. Um, and my review of this is good fun, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, comma. Exactly. Philip, what do you make of it? I love the intro. I also love the intro. Here's what he said. I wrote it down. They won't let me go home to the seas of Rome. This is not some executive, mere executive guest in an Italian waiter suit. I'm Marky Smith, guest of Clint Boone. 
Great opening. <laughs> it's all factually accurate as well. It is very much so. Alistair, what do you reckon to this? You've heard this song before, right? The the uh, Iguido Stooges song. I think it's now, I, off that 1969 well, album. Yeah, well, Sonic did it like really early on, completely, mate, <clears throat> which was quite amazing, like, you know, but my, my two word, my two woof woof. Oh, aye. Thematically accurate. Faithful cover with a, with a Clint Boone Hammond solo. <laughs> I don't need this karaoke. But then I thought, you know what? It's a great song. And Mark Smith's a great singer, so maybe it's okay. But now we're coming into, you know, approaching the middle of the table. And I want to ask you something I should have asked at the start. How do you feel about this endeavor? This did you did you ever think you'd be embarking on such a, a mad task as Alistair's tear stained scores came through? I don't think I've done a good job with these. <laughs> Phil, Phil's scattershot approach and Ezra's very scientific compared to his uh, uh, his voting a blue Christmas is the best fall song of all time last time right we did this and then regretting it or not is the case oh, no no I'll never regret that <laughs> how do you feel about this endeavour Ezra yeah well I feel that it's a necessary hardship let's say I think it's necessary because we've got to give props to the Sudan Fed it's a shame that he didn't make more of his solo career I feel or his solo albums there's good stuff in there and I can listen to them and feel entertained by them to a certain extent, but they're not really up to the kind of high watermark that I would have hoped. It's like all of the uh, weird off-cut fall tracks all put together in one place. And um, if you're in the right mood, it's a heck of a journey. Phil Rigby, are you in the mood for this? I wasn't in the mood for it when you sent it through. I had uh, that certain sinking feeling. But once I once I put it on, once I'd held my breath and gritted my teeth, it was actually really, really interesting in places. There's there's some there's some there's some really, really good stuff in it. It's just like back to the olden days, isn't it? When you've got to plow through to get to it. It is indeed exactly like that. Um what's his name? Matt Groening talking about how he only had like like one cassette and it was Trout Bass Replica. You know, he kept playing it and playing it and um just get into Trout it. Trout Bass Replica. Yeah, exactly. It's a Spanish version of the about Bfart Bfart thing. <laughs> but you can you can get into it you can get into out if you really try hard enough so good lad well done good on you uh, Alistair have you recovered yeah I just I just found that doing 30 songs is a bit much um, we'd have done less I'd probably I'd have had more time to dissect stuff and delve into it a little bit more but I really enjoyed some of them and some of them were just a little bit meh but it's good to be a sort of stuff that is a little bit more left to centre than what would have been put out on a fall LP I mean I'm, I'm guessing if you're still with us you're still listening most of this stuff you've probably not heard before or not much unless you're a diehard fan you're like of course I've heard it all before how dare you that, it's interesting it. listening to his spoken word stuff isn't it and how well that stands up on its own obviously wax lyrical about how good his wordsmithery is and like the last one we were just uh, the, the idiot Joy Shawland even just reading his lyrics it was it still works it still works as a poem he's got the ability to deliver on it go on so there's the poetry poetry side stuff and then there's a couple like more radio play stuff things coming up especially off the post Neely man it's, it's uh, one real solo album splendid some splendid stuff so next group is Poison Fishes the Ed Blaney collaboration uh, Adult Net Naughty or Nice uh, Marky Smith guesting that with Bricks 
blow-up muscles, which was a, another weird outlier, Lakeland Opus of PPP, and uh, Elastica, how he wrote Elastica Man. <laughs> Poison Fish is the Blaney collaboration, which Mez really just pops up for some backing vocals. Adult Net, Not Your Nice, same. Blow Up Muscles with its wailing guitars from a uh, HIV charity album from a few years back. Um, Lakeland Opus off PPP and uh, an Elastica collaboration of their second album. How he wrote Elastica Man. Now you've got three to five words to review these songs. Alistair, Poison Fishes. Can't do with that. I'm just doing a quick sentence. What a rest reminded me of the, the jury lyrics uh, from uh, What a West. Uh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, when I say three to five words, I mean do whatever you want, of course. <laughs> 
It was a wilt, it's a whole other law. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. As well, above. In a sort of modern, with a modern feel to it, yeah. Sweet, Philip. Poison fishes. I, I'm still trying to work out what, what Al was saying at the start of his comment then. He seemed to turn into Jeff Goldblum for about 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I was going to say about it is the conversation that we'd had about window dressing, about Marky Smith's voice being used as window dressing on some of these songs. And yeah, I agree. Smith is used somewhat as decoration here, as he is in quite a few of these tracks. Adult net naughty or nice. Phil? Yeah, I quite like it. Um, it's uh, I really like the, the the disharmony that she gets going in the uh, in the song. I thought that was a really nice touch. And the song itself, it's like uh, it's like the Bangles' naughty little sister, isn't it? Yeah, I wrote the same thing. Uh, Mez is buried. His interjections are a little consequence, but this is kind of a pop hit that never was. And I like how she sings "Price Naughty or Nice," pay the price. She's got a bit of dissonance and there. Shades of Elaine's uh, like kind of singing as well. Um, Unlike Brix's normal thing, but um, sadly, the adult net never never caught on. Uh, Alistair, weren't they keen on this one? Uh, I mean, it reminded me more of uh, Sam Fox. Touch me, touch me. I wanna feel your body. Great song, great song. Then uh, yeah, reminded more of that song. Ezra. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan of Bricks. I think she was a wonderful member of the fall. Uh, she seems perfectly adequate and nice as a human being. But her music does less than nothing for me. Uh, and I found the first song on this so boring that I actually didn't get to the second song where Marky e. Smith was lurking in the final second. And the second song does actually sound somewhat better than how I remember the first song. But I didn't listen to it because I couldn't get through the first one. Fair enough. Let's have a look at Blow Up Muscles. Phil, floor is yours. There you go. Pipsqueak, I think, is a great tune. I think it's nice. I, I will give you that the guitars do go a little bit over the top. but um, Masturbatory guitars. A little bit, but I think Smith steps up, um, and he's definitely front and centre, and um, uh, seems to work. Seems to work. I, I kind of like it. Um, Ezra, what does Boomass Blow Up Muscles do for you? I think a problem with a lot of these tracks is that, you know, if I was doing a, a, a group and I was getting Marky e. Smith to come in and do a guest vocal or a vocal, I would go out of my way to not do anything that sounded anything at all like The Fall as far as I possibly could. And a lot of these tracks basically sound like The Fall to me, although not as good. So, yeah, you know, Blow Up Muscles, it's fine. It's okay. Uh, I do like the uh, theremin on it. It'd be nice to see more theremins in that kind of setup. But yeah, you know, ultimately I would rather hear the fall than Fair that. So. Yeah, it's a bit more mainstreamy, but I can see how it's it is fall-ish. Also, Al bought muscles. Reminding me of a bad version of the Ace of Spades uh, with a bit of theremin chucked in there to try and save it, but it didn't work. Um, so I left it to Hawkwind and Lemmy to do that one, I think. What about Lakeland Opus? Uh, this was one of my favourites. Uh, I was talking to Phil about how that bad joke in the middle about the ear, foot and mouth kind of took me out of it originally, but then I started thinking... Um, it, it's a bit cut up. It's a bit, uh, it's a bit wasteland, a bit modernist, and uh, a bit of a cutler. And uh, the more I listened to that, the more I liked it. Take a leaf out of it. Take it. Stop taking leaves out of it. Um, hello, good morning, shut up. That's an Ivor Cutler one, isn't it? Um, uh, don't give me the big talk. Don't give me the small talk, give me the big talk. Um, it's Cutler-ish, and I love Cutler, so I love this. What do you reckon, Ezra? 
Yeah, I would agree on the on the colorisms. I think with this and Idiot Joy Showland, the kind of atmosphere of some kind of like, you know, decrepit kind of pub stand-up performance was a bit off-putting for me. But, you know, I mean, there's a weird kind of authenticity to that at the same time. So I can't say it was entirely charmless for me, but it, it, it felt a li- maybe a little bit put on or something. I'm not sure. But anyways, yeah. yeah I can see that. Yeah, Churchillian campaigns and, and all the side, it's uh, hard to know how much of it is... Uh... Right there. Alistair, what do you make of it? Have I asked you already? <laughs> no, I very much, it was all right, man. You know, a couple of gags in there, entertaining enough. Nothing for the dads. Uh, Phil? No, I thought it was the, one of the better ones of these uh, Cigarella Bongo moments where he's, uh, he's kind of just delivering straight spoken word stuff. Uh, I thought it had a charm to it. And I, I yeah, I, I quite enjoyed listening to this one a couple of times. Yeah. Fair enough. And then we'll round this group up, numbers 19 to 15, with Elastica, how he wrote Elastica, man. Um, it just, the, the Brit-poppy nature of it just rubbed up against me a bit uh, a bit badly. And, and I've got time for Brit-pop at times. I can make time for those things. But shouty, 90s indie pop, mm, it didn't do it's it. It's for indie. PPIB, you know, got it covered. <laughs> What'd you make of it, Phil? The elastic on? I, I'm probably a bit more sympathetic to you uh, to this one than you are. Um, I, I quite liked it. Thought it was jolly enough, doesn't it? Outstates welcome. It's only a couple of minutes, isn't it? And it's all a bit sort of jumpy and energetic. And I, I think uh, it sounds like Mark is uh, is is given kind of equal billing to what uh, is it? Justine, something. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. No, 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 Elastica, but. I was a bit surprised. I'd not heard of this before, but they did a cover of How I Wrote Elastic Man, didn't they? I think. Oh, I don't, don't know about that, but um, it makes sense really being in that scene. But yeah, um, but yeah. So I, I, I thought it was all right as for what it is. Bit of a pop throwaway. Aye, aye. Ezra. Yeah, this track's reputation actually uh, preceded itself because I do remember reading a review back in the day and hearing about how wonderful this track was. And then I listened to it and I thought, well, it's not the fall, really, is it? Um, I mean, great. Yeah, good. It's not too long. Uh, I could probably jump up and down to it in a beer trance, but it's not got much to it for me. No, it's short. Thankfully, it's short. Is it? Or short. Yeah, it's not bad. It reminds me of... uh... Say if the Stags covered Rock Lobster could have a similar outcome. But yeah, I was never a big fan of Elastica. Uh, and at the time when all that Britpop stuff was going on, I was running the musicians collectives and selling. So you had uh, tons of shite bands doing shite music in a shite style. So there's a bit of PTSD going on for me there. So I there's a, a filter that just drops uh, when I hear stuff like that. Dub Scar, uh, sorry, Punk Scar does exactly the same thing to me. I have had to sit through so many fucking Punk Scar bands that were off. Mm-hmm. Glad to know that I read yesterday the Mighty Mighty Boston's have split up. <laughs> About time too, says Phil. <laughs> um, the next set, Visitation of an American Poet. Dissolute Singer, 13th with uh, with 10.5 points. PPP2, DNA Misery, 11 points. And I'm Bobby, 13 points. So this is the last set before we start doing the full-on bracket thing. So this, these, are the, uh, these are the lads that didn't quite make it. American Poet. Characters, one. Narrator, 
Two, poet. Three, wife. Four, Zarenda. Five, employee. Six, neighbor. Seven, policeman. Salem, Frisco, Prestwich. Evil farce in three acts. Almost Brian Rixish in its semi-cold, ridiculous scenario. Now for a message. In a room with access to all in San Francisco. Another crooked smile. Is music a disease? Or is it just living in these soap opera times? This old singer, as far as they're concerned, you live on 17 Ferry Lane. People relate to you, what you told them 18 months back then. Tall and frail, but you're pale for real, in a buttery of steel. Down west to East Broadway, same route as last week when couldn't find where he was due to... To Panda. 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 Panda as to Panda 2. Panda Animal. Panza. Panda. Panda. The outside flavorness of it. to know is why don't real bands with real singers that don't go around explaining themselves that's right go ahead get ahead with your puerile slurred word rigmarole and put it out on the lids it's down congeal both the rest of your post nearly half realized bird-like thoughts clogging the solo 70s or new intellectual skinhead morass a shad mock whistle Honestly, Professor, competing with it, observing, scientifically, brains are in that need maths to understand, chords missing, slide back to bottom of ravine, while they catch up freezing outside. Slurred word rigmarole. If I'd done an AKA for the uh, episode, it would welcome to the Fallout Podcast, AKA Slurred Word Rigmarole. Not going to add it in at this point, though. So we heard Visitation of an American Poet, which, Phil, you scored quite high, but 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 uh, no one else did. Then Dissolute Singer, which I scored quite high. PPP2, Panda Panza Panza, uh, DNA Misery, split, split vote. And then I'm Bobby, the just missed. 
And then Bobby was just outside. It was good. It was vying. It was very close. Right. One point away from the uh, playoffs, but it uh, didn't make it in the end. So, Visitation of an American Poet. Phil, give us your uh, hot take. <clears throat> I really enjoyed this. It, it, um, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Dylan Thomas, you know, the Undermill Woods kind of vibe. Um, I thought there was some really nice wordplay in it. I, I just like the atmosphere in some of these radio play esque things, the, the, the spoken word stuff. I think it works much better than the Cigarella Bongo stuff. I like the fact that I can follow his wordplay a lot easier in this stuff. So you actually, for, for someone like me, who, get, who tends to get distracted by the music, um, it was a different way of enjoying this stuff. And I, I think this is where my my threshold was of stuff that I actually started really enjoying and listening to quite a few times, um, rather than the stuff that I had to listen to, which we've uh, just had to slog through. And we're starting now to hit the top half where there's... Uh... There's some nice stuff going on. Definitely. Fretted. I listened to this about three or four times afterwards and, and after I'd already sent the scores over to, to Tim, I couldn't change. I was like, oh man, I really... This one, I'm Bobby and the the Lovecraft one. Every time I listened, I was like, I just love these more and more. I, w- I would have put those my top three if I was voting again, maybe. But um, hi, uh, Ezra, what did you make of Visitation of American Poet? One and two. Well, yeah, I mean, my problem has been with both the Panda Panda Panza and the uh, uh, Post Nearly stuff is just trying to work out which one's which because they're all, I mean, I, you know, I'm not, don't mean this in the most critical sense, but they're all very similar. Um, and there was stuff that I liked in pretty much all of them. And But in some ways, I feel that a uh, flaw with all of it is that I'm not sure if it's, his necessarily his best words you know i mean many's been the time on this podcast that i've said you could take these lyrics and just put them on a page and read them and they'd be poetry and i'm not always that convinced with a lot of this material having said that there's a lot to like in it uh, and what I liked in Visitation and many of the other ones was, of course, the listing. I love numbers and I love lists and I love Mark's lists. So that's great. Nice. Al, what did you make of this one? I, will, I agree with uh, both Phil and Ezra uh, on points. Um, Phil saying that, you know, like the music sometimes distracts you from the lyrics and it's great to sort of like just hear it script down bare bones kind of thing. Uh, it comes through a lot better and uh, I agree with Ezra as well um, and I can't remember why Fair enough it is it's one of those things right so there's there's ones that are straight up poems like that Lakeland Opus I think and it's all kind of modernist and wastelandy and uh, I love I love that collage kind of stuff and then there's these that are more like a radio play kind of story but they, they do take a few lessons to get your head around. And if they don't connect with you, I can see why it, it wouldn't be worth uh, putting the time in um, necessarily. Um, radio play, American modernist poetry, the world don't need another MES, almost Brian Ricks-ish in, in it. So it seems like he's talking actually about a poet that he met who was nice, but had a nasty streak. Gothic green hobgoblin. It needs another non-Lancashire poet S. Big arrogant 
student big lad, he brought home Yank Poet Reads out Quatrain. I liked it a lot. I regret everything, but Dissolute Singer, what about that one, uh, Phil? You you uh, scored this reasonably high, actually. Yeah, it's another one that I, I enjoyed listening to. I think it was the phrase Dissolute Singer that I was, it, it, I wondered how, if there was a slight biographical element to uh, to this one. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it. Sweet, sweet. Uh, Ezra, you did not. You scored this a big fat zero. Yeah, it, that's just because it wasn't one of the standout ones for me. I'm like puddle paddle battle sounds are good but they're also in other tracks probably pretty much every track on post nearly man's got a bit of the puddle paddle battle sound going on aye, aye. um i mean yeah it, it sounded to me like phil's uh said as mark's pale blues whinging of dissolution and yeah you know Fair enough. It's a it's a nice little uh, poem. It's got almost got some some funny uh, stand upy bits in there, and it does seem to be about the man himself. Maybe Alistair, what did you make a dissolute singer? Quite liked it. It reminded me a bit of a tour guide in Manchester with nice delivery and social commentary. Uh, and I like the phrase "bloody Nora" being chucked in there. Nice. Yeah, you gave this one quite a few points. It was quite a quite high up in your list. Well, yeah, I did enjoy it. Um, and, you know, I'd listen to it again. Nice. This was a vicious man hub. I like the spoken verse kind of sung chorus. Uh, it's a beautiful delivery and some nice phone sounds. And I like the bit where he teams up, shouts, teams up with so-and-so at Brownies tonight. They kind of like um, the uselessness of pursuing this career. Um, England Britannica newspaper, Ersatz Coffee, Teeth Mon Brain Mons. This is beautiful semi-nonsense nonsense. And as you say, Al, well, bloody Nora says my dead dad. Um, it's nice, but it did not make the grade in the end. Then we had a PPP2, which was Panda Panda Panzer 2. So in the next couple of episodes, we'll see this come back several times. I think there's three or four versions of this spread throughout the album, but they weren't. They were far enough apart to warrant being individual tracks, maybe. <laughs> the jury's out. Phil, I'm coming to you again because you scored this even higher. This was right near the top of your list. Yeah, I don't know whether it was primacy effect kicking in because this was on the top of the playlist, wasn't it, as we were, as we were going through. Them. Yeah. Um, I I just really love that play on words, that, that panda pun that he, he's, he's playing with. To me, it just sums up so much of Marquis Smith to be railing against pandering is uh it, it just seems absolutely right and even though the production on it is fairly you know simple it's it, there's nothing groundbreaking on that front um i just really liked his delivery on it it made me laugh every time it came on and um i think it had more than charm i think it, it's it's quite evocative the way he delivers it i think so it had a kernel blimp kind of feel like a life story in miniature you know the solomon grundy kind of thing as well um delivered with a with a plum and some, a lot of these poems are delivered kind of a little bit uh, lackadaisical but this one's uh, comes out the starting gates you cannot legislate against wrongful encouragement i couldn't get you cannot petition the lord with prayer out of my head every time uh, i heard that um, <laughs> and uh, at 50 i thought about life 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 what is it ezra do you think about life 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 no if i can help it to be honest yeah, I mean, I, this was nice. Like, I liked the uh, choral music mixed with the cheap drum machine and the uh, the odd acid fart going on there. And yeah, like you say, you know, there, there's lots of fun in the words. I was born at 10, died at 20. 
yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's it's a lovely miniature. Sweet. Alistair, what did this one do for you? Um, yeah, I quite liked it. Tickle my funny bone. Um, some great enunciation in there. Ambient production. Okay, backing track. Uh, I think several other artists had struggled to come up with something this good. Um, you know, mentioning no names in the mid-hook now. Uh, but yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> the Hucknall solo albums, the Hucknall spoken word albums are, are, are delayed. They're in the post. They're on their way. They're just like, hopefully bongo out of you two won't do. And I think it might go a little something like this. I was at the fairground the other day and my ginger poops got stuck in the between the rinds. Ouch, I crap. <laughs> <laughs> we pay good money for that. Um... DNA Misery. This is um, not DNA, the um, the No Wave band, nor it is, is it the DNA that did the Tom's Diner. I thought it was the one that did the Suzanne Vega thing. I thought it was a weird choice to go from Suzanne Vega to Mark Smith, but it actually sounds like it could be. But it is a Greek <laughs> duo. Don't know how he's got involved with a Greek duo. Maybe Elaine has uh, got a connection there. But anyway... I um I scored this relatively high and Stu um Disco Stu and Tim Three gave it quite a good score. Um what did I say about it? Let me see. Decent pop, strangely normal melodically. Did they write it for him? Did he sing the lyrics? I was thinking, which would be a bit weird. I really like it when people add a m- melody and backing vocals to Smith's and it brings it into focus. Um, the, the Von Schudenfeld song, the Rhino, Rhino Face, um, does, a ver- does that really, really well. You know, when Smith just, it, it comes in from left field and it just hits be- a beautifully melodically thing, melodic thing. And I thought that's what this did. Um, I, su- I was very surprised it didn't get more love from the crowd because I think if this was a fall song and it popped up in the regular thing, I think it'd have a chance. Ezra what did you make of the DNA misery song? It made me miserable. You gave it a zero. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing. <laughs> oh well. Al, what about DNA misery for you? Similar to what you were saying, really, Brendan. I think it sounds like it, it could, in a, another dimension, be a fall song. But you know, there's a very different production and kind of delivery to it than, than the fall do. Because in general, is it? I always find that there's a bit of a hard sound to the fall which is one of the reasons why I'm, I'm kind of attracted to, to the band. But yeah, it reminded me a bit of something like Party Said or something. Yeah. Right, I've been interested in a Party Said Smith collaboration. Yeah, borrow that lad. He, he he did do a quite rocky band, the, that beak after Party Said. It's pretty cool. So he's definitely in the in that realm. What about you, Phil, for that DNA misery? Uh, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of in your camp on this. Really. I I enjoyed it. It just it just missed out on the, on getting some more points really because the I, I just enjoyed the other stuff more. But it is you could almost say it was an outlier this one, couldn't you? In terms of the other stuff, but I, the the difference worked for me. I thought it worked as a pop record, and I think the second half of the record is really really well put together. Has been a lot of spoken word and detours down that uh, wonderful path, but that was a, just a straight up pop gem and I'd never heard it before and it's like when I started doing the research for this it's like yeah I was 
It's just surprising how many of these little gems are scattered through that just never, ever come across. So um, maybe, listener, you're feeling the same way. So check out DNA, the Greek duo. wonder what they're doing these days. He'd only managed to eke 11 points out of us, though, across the five of us. So, uh, and finally in this batch was I'm Bobby, which, yeah, like I say, just missed out on the playoffs uh, at 10th place. I scored this right up near the top of my uh, my my charts. The rest of you didn't quite feel as much love. Alistair, what did you think of I'm Bobby? Um, it's okay, you know. I, I like the, the cut-up noises, uh, background pub noises, entertaining enough, you know. I'm not going to knock it, but I'm not going to say it's the best thing since sliced bread. That would be a bold claim, wouldn't it? So it's best. Best to play on the safe side. Ezra, what about I'm Bobby? It's another one in that vein of radio play-ish cut-ups. Yeah, I think this one was very close to getting into my top 10 um, and I was very conflicted about it but it ultimately lost out a little bit just because it doesn't have what I some of the stuff of well I'll talk about that later but yeah it, it did have a Welsh fella on it and I'm very fond of Welsh people in general so that was great I like the don't explain yourself. Yeah, you know, this one I think was um, one of the ones which cracked the most grins from my stony visage. Aye, it's it's one that will go on playlists in the future and one that I hadn't really spent much time with, even though, you know, I'd heard it here and there when I've occasionally dipped into post nearly. How about you, Phil? What does I'm Bobby do for you? Yeah, I thought it was all right. I, I just, I, I didn't feel like it had been given as much love as some of the other stuff on that album, really. So, I, similar to what Ezra was saying, it was, it was, it was all right, but it just, it didn't uh, do as much for me as the other stuff. In terms of that kind of radio play, um, like collage cut-up, it didn't quite hold together as much. And I do think it was the voices, like as we were saying, the well, there was a really nice Welsh voice, which I'm a sucker for, alongside Mark and a couple of other, I think the actual, dare I say it, vocal interplay, vox interplay was delightful, but didn't hold together quite as well, maybe, as the others, but I just loved it. It's a cool, unrealized radio play, I said. Real bands who do not go around explaining themselves play new intellectual skinhead morass with his Welsh and Scottish mockney mates. It had a body snatcher vibe. I couldn't quite work out. There was a story buried in there about Bobby Hazel and Bobby Roberts. Um, and at one point they start describing the background effect in kind of a meta showing the seams thing. And other people reading Mez's words out, I think her, it always sounds cool. Um, slurred word rigmarole, post nearly bird-like solo 70s. This is like someone's had a go at him. And, and the post nearly man, I always think it's someone who said to him like, you know, ah, you could have had it, but it's gone now. I love it. But the one line that stuck out is, imitation is flatter, but is that small fragment that is missing which is of most importance i thought that was a beautiful line and very much is in line with what we've talked about a lot of smith's take on plagiarism yeah that really stands out that line doesn't it and they, they use it well and yeah it's a quintessential smithy attitude that i think is uh, we've just listened to i'm bobby which came in 10th just outside the top 10 so now we finally get to the main event jesus we should have split this into more pieces <laughs> 
I shouldn't put this into my faces. Sorry, boys. But now we started. We we uh, we can't stop. So here's what's going to happen. This is a playoff now. Number number one goes through automatically. I'll tell you what that was at the end. Two against nine, three against eight, four against seven, five against six. So we've got um, in ninth place, we had Sport Duet or Duel, I can't remember which one it is, with 14 and a half points. And that's up against the second place, which was Rhino Head, which had 35 points. So if you could give us a blast of Sports Duet and then Rhino Head, that would be great. Fellas. Oh, definitely. Selective memory and the Minister of Bank Holidays. Too much chin wagging. Not enough frightening. Frightening. Four. When does this Frankenstein who moved up the road from me cough up the dough? Six. Rest. We. I can only wait and know. And know. They have to rush off early to their grim demise. It is the outside flavorness of it. Aye, uh, so Sport Duet came in ninth, 14 points. Um, both Ezra and Al scored it quite high. Um, so I'll go there first. Ezra, what did you make of Sport Duet? Yeah, of the Panda Panda Panzer stuff, this was my favourite. Great numbers, really loved the numbers, really loved the listing, really loved the, what was it, the Frankenstein who's moved in down the street. Had some seriously funny stuff in there. I like Because there was so much of this stuff, I couldn't really find the time to come to terms or investigate the words of much of it as I would have liked to, unfortunately. But this was one of the ones which had the most immediate impact for me. And so, yeah, I did enjoy it a great deal. Oh, look, there's a dog. Nice. Alistair, what did you make of sports duel or duet? I should find out what it's really called. Oh, by the way, most of these might not even be called this because <laughs> the, the listings on Panda, Panda, Panda are not very clear. So I had to, I spent a very enjoyable afternoon when I was chopping up the album against all my better judgment and trying to work out which of the titles might refer to which songs and which did not. So uh, you'll have to forgive me. It's a bit of a guess. Alistair, sports duet. Yeah, I agree again with Ezra. But I can remember this time why I agree. Um, and it's, yeah, it's one of the ones that stood out, I think, from the uh, the Panzer, Panda, Panda um, LP. Um, good delivery, interesting lyrics. Funny, yeah. Nice. Now, uh, this is the first one that Tim Three's uh, given an opinion on, and he gave it a zero. So, what does uh, it's, he's he's turned up an hour and a half into the proceedings? <laughs> what, what wisely, is, <laughs> wisely turned up. <laughs> Jesus Christ! What is um, what does he have to say? 
He says about Sports Duel, which is what he... Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah, that's right, that's right. Probably the best of the mostly talky bits from the week's list, but for me, the subtle bass synth, the naff pads aren't enough. For my tastes, Mark's lyrics work wonderfully over a web of sound. When that's barely there, I don't feel like I've got much to hold on to. Fair enough, you know. He's, he's, uh, he's held back long enough, so let's listen. Phil, what did you make of this? So I, I think I'm the opposite of uh, Ezra, really, which is all the stuff that instantly jumped out, like the Frankenstein lines and stuff like that. It's dirty to grey on me after I'd listened to it once through. Um, so I, it didn't really do as much for me. And the, the listing thing, I didn't realise we're so into lists, Ezra. That's uh, it's a, a whole new dimension to your personality that uh, I think we should explore much more deeply. Um, <laughs> but it didn't work for me. Um, that's uh, yeah. It was probably my one of my least favourites of this uh, black collection. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I scored it relatively low in in the grand scheme of things. I thought it was forceful. I like the bonkers the bonkers numbering listing again. You know, it's uh, there's many songs where <laughs> he does lists and numbers uh, with with his own logic. Weird beard of Birmingham halfwit. Egalitarity. He does modernity in this one. He does egalitarity, I think, <laughs> as well. A white-shirted pain in the arse. Test all your balls and set you free. He hit him twice on Ambleside Road. I built myself up like Sting, and I don't carry money around. <laughs> it's like a it's like a late 90s state of the nation address, isn't it? Well, a little bit, yeah. Comments. And well, the former former education secretary uses the phrase "more better." <laughs> I love I love bald men. I mean, that in itself is a revelation, isn't it? I, I did clock that. But it is up against um, what came in second, and we all gave this one, except for Al, who gave it a single point. Everyone else, I scored this around ahead. This was my top choice, and then you, Tim, three, and uh, and Ezra all had it as your third choice. So it's, it was a meaty thirty-five points. What do you make of it to Ezra, Rhino Head? Yeah, I'm somewhat surprised it didn't score higher, actually. Um, it's been really nice that you've put most of the Sudanfed tracks that I've listened to the least in this particular episode, with the exception of this one track, Rhino Head, which is the second on the album. And it's it's a real treat. And it's got this maybe arguably one of his best kind of singing, singing performances. Like, you know, it's fascinated. It, it's just, it's really lovely. It's got such a simplistic kind of musical theme to it, which just drives straight through the whole track. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. Really, really yeah. like it. And I think the nature of that is is that they've chopped up and, and done stuff with his vocals to make it, to, to amplify that kind of melody. Um, and, and it's got a very Motown-y kind of beat and a piano kind of drive in it. Great song, great melody, and the best use of Mez on these tracks. It really feels like it's a song. There's nice hidden scronky synths going on. And uh, much, much more to say about this, but uh, I will hold back for now. How about you, Phil? It's one of the best tracks on that album, and it's it's not a bad album by any stretch of the imagination. It's uh, it's it's a bit of a treat, really, and it was a bit of a surprise when it came out about how good it was. Um, I think that, like both you and Ezra have been saying, it's it's a very strong song, and the hooks in it are strong. Um, 
but it doesn't it, it it's it's got some pop sensibility about it <clears throat> but it would stand it would stand shoulder to shoulder with like big like chemical brothers tracks or something like that would make like those kind of that work great at festivals and you know you can imagine a light show with it and all that kind of thing it's a big 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 tune um so yeah it's it's a bit of a bit of a stonker this one now what did this do for you rhino head it's okay very poppy uh sounds like there could be something interesting in the it's okay at times but i don't know i find it a little bit term fair enough you know you, there, you could level that at it you know um it, it is a, a jangly more tone guitar-y one and if you compare it to some of the stuff on the album that is a lot less raw but fair enough you know what does uh, Tim make of it? We thought Rhino Hedge probably one of my favourites from the Von Sudenfeld stuff super traditional four to the floor structure very danceable and I love what they've done to treat Mezzi's Vox the bar 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 bits sound velvety. The lead synth sound in the chorus is great. And the vocals ride it like a wave. Top tier stuff. I, I'm not even sure if they might have auto-tuned him a bit. I don't know if they'd let him do that, but at bits it sounds like they might have. Uh, but it's sweet. It's a great pop track. So it's our first vote of the evening. We're doing Sport Duel against Rhino Head. And I'm going for Rhino Head. How about you, Phil? Yeah, it's got to be Rhino Head, really. Fair enough. It's an easy choice, maybe, for some of us. Ezra? Yep, Rhino Head. Aye, aye. Tim? Rhino Head. And Alistair? I'll go with Rhino Head. Fair enough. It, uh, it did... Um, it's only a couple of points off the winner. So it came in second and um, just a few points behind that mystery winner. So next we're going to what came in third, which was Serious Brainskin, another Von Sudenfed track, up against Slow Down Ronnie, the third um, track from that album. Uh, hey, strange, I am a serious Based in the present time. The present time as you watch it now. The present time of lingering. The present time of snooker no longer on TV. This was a vicious man who had to change. He had to change his environment to play pool, which incidentally I used to do for ten pound a day. We've waited, we've paid our price, we've put our hours in, and now the good stuff's coming through thick and fast. Serious brain skin. Pip, you gave this nine out of ten, you put this was your second place, and same for Tim Three, and same for Al. Whereas Ezra put Slow Down Ronnie as his first choice, and I was somewhere between the two. So let's start with Serious Brain Skin. Phil? 
Uh, this is probably my favourite von um, Sudenfeld track of the album. Um, I love the Mondasian Cyberman vocal at the start of it, all the cheap BBC radiophonic sound that they've got going on there. And it really reminds me of the, the a lot of the grime stuff that was coming out at the time, which I really enjoyed. So I, I, I think the uh, the music production on it is, is excellent. I think they put a lot of time into it. And what really stands out to me about the track is the fact that it's it isn't just window dressing in terms of Mark's voice. It's treated with exactly the same respect as everything else, and the production is really really busy on it, isn't it? They're doing loads of stuff with that electronica, and they're doing exactly the same thing with Mark's vocal as well. It's getting the I think there's loads of we all we all love Pro Tools, we all love Ableton, we all love Fruity Loops, and uh, I, I think this is one of the best tracks that um showcases that with his voice and the, and the electronic backing of his ground nice nice ezra what do you make of a serious brain skin yeah it's a fantastic chopping and screwing um great kind of minimal lyric but to very good use uh put to very bludgeoning use and yeah you know the beats are a miasmic mess of just Dirty, funky excellence is is a lot of fun. Sweet, Alistair. Once the uh, skin, skin. Yeah, some nice computer sounds. Um, you know, it could have been a little bit more psychic. Uh, there's a bit of a ragga rhythm going on there, but it's not cutting ranks, is it? No, but there's another one that for me it does do a lot more dubby stuff that um, we may or may not come to. I'm guessing we will because we haven't yet. But we live in strange and mysterious times. I've I agree with you, Phil, to some, some degree. It's not decoration, but for me, Smith's voice is treated more as an instrument in this. And um, that's what, when I hear something like Ronnie, where he's got actual verses that he's sung and it's lyrics, that that for me is two different things. And um, I, all, I I would always lean towards the lyrical kind of stuff. But I really like this in the, the, the bleeps and bloops and Smith kind of like interspersed and kind of uh, woven in there. It really gets going a couple of minutes in, um, but it sounds more like a Mouse on Mars track to me than um, uh, than a collaboration. Um, that's why I didn't give it quite as many points as some of the others. Uh, what does Tim make of uh, whatever this is called? Serious brain skin. So he's shouted from the depths of hell, a dance floor classic in another dimension. Love the hard beats and stutter and the feeling like everything is shifting imperceptibly under the opening gambit. A lot of Von Sudenfeld tracks sort of settle into their groove fairly quickly, but this one is really restless and it's all the better for it. Aye. So this one came in third and it was quite a long, the, t- the top three were quite a long way above the rest. But um, I, has everyone said their two cents on the serious brain skin now? What about we have a look at Slow Down Ronnie? Ezra, you put this as your toppermost of the poppermost. What, uh, what, what did it for you about Ronnie? Well, I didn't actually, Brendan. My toppermost of the poppermost was the molecular... Oh, that was correct. Breeds. I, I would like to withdraw my, my earlier comments. <laughs> That's fine. Um, but yeah, like I, like I was saying, I was torn about whether to put Slow Down Ronnie or Rhino Head as my second one. And Slow Down Ronnie eked it for me because it had very, very funny words. And it, it's another barnstormer, much in, the, much in the same way that Rhino Head is. And, you know, it, it, I presume it's about a raver having to slow down from his, you know, MDMA and champagne encrusted lifestyle 
uh, and play more snooker or something or try and watch snooker on the TV. But yeah, you know, it's got a lot of Marky Smith duels like, this is the last beat of blocker you'll ever take. And, and I love the, um, you know, the kind of backing vox on the, on, the, uh, on the chorus. Slow down, Ronnie. Slow down. Fantastic. Nice. Lovely track. Now, any lover of the bass would realise that he's actually singing about snooker professional Ronnie O'Sullivan. This century's Alex, the Hurricane Higgins. The kind of man you might find passed out in your garden. But Phil, you didn't score this one too high. What about Ronnie? So I, I, I'm in a weird position because I agree with Ezra, but it's, it's almost high. I scored it down, really. I didn't score it up, I didn't, didn't score it as high as the other thing. Um, the lyrics are charming, but I, as a song, I just didn't think it hung together. I thought the production on it was particularly lazy. A bit boring, really, compared to the other tracks. It's There's, there's not as much love gone into uh, the, the, the electronics as near every other track on the album really so um it just i found it a little bit boring musically i think there's there's better there's better smith and there's much better von sudenfeld i maybe maybe what does Alistair think, though? Well, um, I thought it was fairly simple stuff, really. Um, some of it's a bit pedestrian sounding, but at the same time, they're trying to attempt a hard sound, and I think they're failing in that respect. He was, I was, I did a bit of research on some of the Mouse on Mars and, and on Sudenfeld stuff, and there was a blog by a dude called Mr Pringle, and here's what he said about this song. The Mouse on Mars riffs are always predictable. It's like they didn't want to waste any of their best music on a side project. Too many of these songs are indistinguishable from the lo-fi improv tracks that Mark used to throw on the end of Fall albums, Crew Filth, Fireworks. That's a bold clip. I wouldn't say that this reminded me of Crew Filth. Um, anyway, I quite liked it. And what I did like about it is unlike... The other Von Sudenfeld songs, mostly the ones tonight, there's, you know, a story in here of Ronnie O'Sullivan, I'm guessing, um, and his beta blockers and him just going too hard at it. And uh, a little bit of acid, but um, it does, yeah, musically, maybe not as much, but uh, I was charmed by his, uh, his, he's just trying to look out for a man he can see who's going off the, off the rails and uh, trying to do his bit to save our beloved Ronnie. Um, have we heard from everyone? No. Him? Um, I'll sort of Ronnie. A bit bland, boring, to be honest. I don't find the lyrics very interesting or compelling, and the track seems a bit perfunctory. Maybe made with scraps left over. I think it was on a label sampler CD, right? I think I've got it somewhere. Probably listened to it twice. Fair enough. There's actually a bunch of remixes of these because this was a single, uh, Ronnie. And um, the single, I'll list the remixes. They're okay. I don't think any of them uh, bring anything more than there was already there. Let's take the vote. Ezra, which way are you going? Serious Brainskin or Ronnie? It's Ronnie for me. One vote for Ronnie. Phil? Serious. Fair enough. Alistair? I'm totally serial. Fair enough. Tim? Uh, serious brain skin. All right. I'm going with Ronnie as well, but it, serious brain skin goes through 3-2, and fair enough, it did score pretty highly. Got 33 points versus the 16 that Ronnie got, most of which came from easy over there. Next one, what's <laughs> it? <laughs> No, I've already washed up a few dishes over there, but uh, 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 this is a... 
Well, now we're coming up to what came forth, which was Relentless Confliction by the Supergroup Mutation with 23 points, and that's up against 7th place Family Feud, another Von Sudenfed track, got 16 points. So these two are pretty close in terms of points. They give us a blast of Mutation and Family Feud. Well, let's start by looking at uh, the Relentless Confliction, which is the uh, mutation track, a uh, metal-ish supergroup. Al, this case, you gave this your top score. Me and uh, Disco um, Disco Tim gave um, a decent score. Ezra and Philip, not so much. Uh, Alistair, what do you make of that Relentless Confliction song? Well, as you said, it's a bit of a super group and um, some of the people that are involved in it I don't really like the, the, the stuff that they do. So there's, there's Peeps at the Cardiacs, there's uh, that lovely Mr. Mertzbo, where people that have uh, uh, napalm death, who uh, Stuart McCorney wasn't very polite about in a book. Um, but yeah, some cheesy heavy metal in there, but nice noisy guitar. Uh, it's a bit kind of like Mr. Bungle, uh, Mike Patton kind of. But I remember like a few years ago, and it was around about this time, uh, it was one of the guys who was doing vocals for, um, I think it was at the uh, Ergon Carousel, which was a Narcosis spin-off or Narcosis, telling me all about this, that he was involved in it. Um, in I think he said Tim Smith was doing it, but it weren't Tim Smith, it was somebody else out of the Cardiacs. And if that's the case, that'll probably put us on the band family tree somewhere with uh, sort of like Mechagodzilla links to Narcosis and, you know, us doing crimpers, this, that and the other. Um, enough, but yeah, right? I thought the song was all right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like extreme-ish. So like they talked to, in the video what I watched, they talk about being extreme music, but it's not extreme really. There's a lot of stuff out there, a lot heavier, a lot more complex, whether it's, your black metal or your grindcore, your gore grind, or whatever you want to go, John Zorn, 
Um, and will cook. Exactly. But it, as, as an outlier in the Mez catalogue, it, it works and there's some really nice scronky and interesting noises on there. There is some cheesy metalish stuff in there as well, but um, and, and it's just, you know, clearly a guest spot where Mez is valued and, you know, he can sing on anything. You know, he can turn up and he can drop that vocals on any style of music and it, he's just able to make it work. Um, if Mez wasn't on it, I don't know whether I'd still give it much of a time of day. And also, you know, this is the um, session that gave us the Kevin the Sound Man videos that everyone watches. Kevin, Kevin, you can't be, you cannot be serious, Kevin. It sounds like the fucking Smurfs. Stop <laughs> funny in about. So those videos, but um, yeah, charming. I like it. I like it a lot. Ezra, what do you make of this mutation, relentless confliction thing? Yeah, it was good. It was good enough. I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier, that's pretty much how I might approach it if I was going to get Mark to come in and sing over my band or whatever. It's nothing like The Fall, and that's good. And it, it's nice enough as a bit of um, bit of gore grind metal stuff. Um, and I like the uh, Your Shoelaces Are Bleeding lyric, but the reason I scored it low is because it just didn't seem to have enough Marky Smith on it, for my tastes. Fair enough. What does uh, Phil think over there? I, so th I thought the track was good, um, and it, it stood up to a few different listens. <clears throat> um, uh, musically, I like what was going on in it. Um, I, I <laughs> you made me laugh with the extreme-ish uh, description of it, which I think is is quite good. Um, I didn't realise they were a super group. I'm not really as off fair with um, that uh, personnel who were involved in it. Although I'm, I, but I, the, the video that you just made reference to, I was thinking as we as we started this, it's it's really the good, the bad, and the ugly today, isn't it? It's uh, it doesn't. I don't think it paints Mark in a particularly good light myself. I, I think it's uh, it's it's a bit of an ugly streak as part of his personality, but. Um, I think in terms of the, the the product that came out to the other end of it, it's uh, it's it's decent. Right? Yeah, the kind of behind the scenes video, it comes up a it comes off a little bit controlling, bullying <laughs> almost. The word that uh, <laughs> went through my mind. Maybe. Um, and what does uh, T? What does T three think of this one? He gave it a, a decent. T three invisible disco stew. Everything is <laughs> that lad. The one who's uh, the one who's got his feet up. The lazy one. The lazy <laughs> one who can never be bothered. How dare you? <laughs> so. He has books, right. What a pleasant surprise. I had no idea this existed until I checked out the playlist. This kind of metally mappy stuff has always tickled me, while not being a genre favourite, and it's a pleasure to hear it alongside a spirited Mez performance. Proper high energy, and if I wasn't a crip, I'd pour go to it, drenching myself and my loved ones in pissy beer. Nice. I mean, and that's the thing, this this playlist here, it's 30, it's been a bit of a slog at times, but the top 10, 15 tracks, they're, they're really interesting, make a really good listen and uh, and show Mez in a light that we just don't see him on his regular fall outings. What does, um, what does anyone else think of this track? <laughs> <laughs> 
Family Feud, Phil, what do you think of Family Feud? Family Feud. I'll tell you what it made me think, actually, is it's amazing, given how prolific Marky Smith is, that how how um, few times I've thought to myself, oh, he's done that on that record, oh, he's done that on that record. And there was, there was bits in this where I thought, right, it sounds a bit like Bastard Bastard or one. Um, he's, he's kind of adopting some of that phrasing and stuff. Um, and but that's that's what triggered the thought process in my head of it, that's fucking incredible the fact that he knocked out so much stuff and yet seems to repeat himself so little. I know we do have a little are you, bingo. Are you suggesting that he's always different but always the same? <laughs> I mean, that's a great way of putting it, Brendan. You should maybe that maybe that should be should, should be something to catch for us. Copyright that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the in terms of the actual tune itself. It, um, I, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I. yeah. It's nice. It's a nice track for me. It's almost like a Lee Scratch Perry vocal. It it was very kind of a dubby thing. But and I know they chopped Mark up. He wasn't doing it that way. Probably in the studio. But what they did to his voice made me think of this is like how Lee Perry would would turn up on a track like this. And he's done numerous kind of electronic tracks where he does that kind of vibe. But I did feel it was a little bit more like a remix of Mez. And again, I, wa- I want him in the room being part of the song. I think they could have got a tape that they found behind the couch and remixed it from that. Um, and I don't think that's true of some of the other Von Sudenfeld songs, the best ones. So it's charms. It's got charms, but it, did, it didn't quite make it into the upper echelons for that reason. Oh, what did you make of Family Feud? Yeah, I liked it. It was, it was interesting, but it wasn't too interesting, uh, which can be a good and a bad thing. Uh, so. It didn't overestimulate you. No, but and you know, at times that's what I need because you just get into trouble and I get overstimulated. Exactly. That everything? That, that, that all you want to so, say? Good. Yeah. Good, good. That's <laughs> Why do you make a family feud? Well, you know, as um, a committed and prolific twerker, I really like it. It's a good twerking track. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I would agree with you, Brendan, that it, it doesn't really sound like he's in the room as such. It, it sounds more like the old tape down the back of the sofa. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you've got to give props to the I Am The Great MES lyric. Um, so yeah, you know, it's it's a very nice track. That was another thing that set me off, thinking it was more like a reggae MC toasting kind of thing, that he was like championing himself as as. Lee Perry will do in a lot of those um, those great toasters, as we call them in the biz. Uh, what does Tim think of this one? One of the weaker VS tracks for me, mostly because I found the treatment of Messi's vocal to be a bit too severe and it loses all of the presence in the process. It's good shape, but doesn't make me bop like the rest. I also find Mez's attempt at hip-hop delivery a bit painful. Too much low-budget 90s, top-of-the-pops rap, not enough crap rap. I do like that. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Um, let's take a vote on it. M- mutation against Family Feud. So, Al, which way are you going? I've got Mutation. Aye, me too. Uh, Ezra? I'm twerking all the way to the bank with Family Feud. Interesting. Phil? Mutation. Aye, aye. And uh, Tim? He's got Mutation, hasn't he? Uh, yes. 
So, so far, the scores have held. The ones that came out at the top have still got, have gone through, meaning this has been redundant and uh, somewhat a futile exercise. But now we're coming down to the tracks that came fifth and sixth. They were very close in scores. We've got the young, the faceless and the codes. And of course, this is going to reveal what the winner is to us in the know. Young, faceless and the codes against the horror in clay. I think it's really how I think it's going. I think it's really how I think it's going. I think it's going off. I think I know it. Walking down the lane of streets, I sit all Looks the same as the same groups of before. But the science is one day, some say it is already upon us, will eventually open up such terrifying vistas of reality that we'll either go mad from the revelation or flee into blissful sleep, peace and safety of another new dark age. I'm Mark Edward Smith. These words are H.B. Lovecraft's. We give you the horror in clay. Yeah, it's working on this head at the moment. We need to put some more scales on the body as well and it tends to flow a bit more with the body, get a few more curves. Babylon that lies next to and above, it's Cornwall. It's slight accent into C.C. Sheffield, Cornwall. The professor knows the youth is completely ignorant of pagan cryptic or biblical law. He ponders and reflects over the sculpture. Professor Young, the faces and the codes. Alistair, what do you make of that one? Bloody chopped up and everything, isn't it? It is, yeah. Ooh, low battery. Oh, um, shit. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, get squelchy, Detroit-y kind of techno way stuff. It was all right, yeah. Aye, aye, I got similar basic but nice acid squelches. Chopped up mm. Smith. Almost like decoration. This is one of the ones where I don't think Smith's used particularly well, but I really like the music and and him getting in stuff by walking down the lane and walking down the street. I remember reading the interview where he mocked anyone that used lyrics like that because they were so lazy. And then he just started using that all the time about walking down the street. <laughs> um, yeah, I, Ezra, you scored this pretty high up. What do you make of it? Yeah, I'm quite fond of this one. Um, first of all, it's arguably, in my mind, got the best title of any of the tracks that we've uh, covered today, The Young, The Faceless and The Codes. And yeah, like it's got this nice kind of driving, almost glam kind of beat to it. Lots and lots of acid, lashings of acid. Love that. And yeah, you know, like, I think I know how this is going. Like, lyrically, it's 
I find it pretty interesting as well. Like, yeah, liked it a lot. So the chocolate stuff later in the track, it does open up a bit and there are a few more lyrics. Phil, what's this one do for you? It's another win for Pro Tools, this, isn't it? It's, uh, I, I, I really like the music. I thought it lulled a little bit in the middle. It, it was like it almost kind of lost its way a little bit in terms of where the drive of the song was taking it. But overall, I think the um, there's enough charm about it, yeah, to, to warrant its points. Yeah, and how about Tim? He scored this pretty high. Sort of craft workish in some places with some superb vocal manipulation, almost. Mark mm. walking down the street again. Drink up. The filthy acid base is pure gold. This one could morph and shift for an hour or so, and I'd happily keep listening. The middle section with Echo Mez singing in the background sounds like a 90s filler B side remix of something. When CD singles came in three different formats, top stuff. True, true. And it is up against the horror in clay. Now, this was high up for me. I put this up uh, right near the top and I stand by that decision. Um, Marky Smith quoting Lovecraft and then telling you who he is. Love that. It's a modernist retelling of the first chapter of uh, Cthulhu, essentially, right? Like Radio 4 or even 3. Uh, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't be surprised to hear that coming at the speakers. It's it's a bit abstract. It's got all these voices going on, and at one point there's a helicopter in the background. So you must have recorded some of it when he was actually walking down the street. I love it. I think it's one of the best things on either of his two solo albums. That's probably because it's based on a very solid, great story that I already know. But I think he does something interesting with it. Alistair, how about the horror in clay for you? Yeah, quite like it. Uh, some nice stripped back kind of Craig Rocky type stuff behind the vocals. And I thought it was an aeroplane, but I'm probably wrong. It probably is a helicopter. You know, uh, I prefer playing Chris to helicopter Chris, so there you go. Aye, aye. Ezra, Ara and Claire. Yeah, there's a lot to like in this. Uh, and, and my favourite part is just, Professor, I swear I wasn't stooned. <laughs> Which <laughs> was just completely, completely kitchen sinks Lovecraft for me. And it, it's just perfect. It's absolute genius. Uh, and yeah, so on the strength of that line alone, it's my favourite. It's the Beatles covering the Ramones, isn't it? It's like, uh, you can't go wrong. Phil Rigby? Well, Mez doing the weird, I'm, I'm an absolute sucker for, and I think he does it really, really well. I, I wrote down the phrase mundane revisionism, where he's, he, he kind of he takes that backbone of a story, that Call of Cthulhu story, like you said, the, the first section in that, and it's, it's just a really kind of... Every day, oh, I've just stumbled in and, and what it would be like. And it's all a bit sort of matter of fact. Um, and it's it's just got that perverse mez production sensibility about it where things just kind of clatter over the top of each other and you kind of try and piece it all together. So, yeah, I really, really like this. I, was, I listened to this in the car. I think it was great to have no distractions and just have it really loud and kind of just be the, like, uh, like a good radio for play. Exactly. I mean, we wrote a play together. We were in a couple and we've been thinking about how to put it on. And more and more, this has just pushed me in that direction of like just a guerrilla style radio play is is beautiful. It does. It might not need more than that, but it might do. No decisions yet. Who knows? Who knows? So let's take a vote. Who's going through Young Faceless and the Codes or the Horror in Clay? Alistair? I'll go with the Horror in Clay. Interesting indeed. Ezra? I'll go with the Young, the Faceless and the Codes. Aye, aye. Tim? He has gone with Young and Faceless. 
Interesting. I will tell you after you voted, Phil. What are you going with? I would. <laughs> I'm going with a horror in clay. I am reflecting on the gibbous moon as well and going with the horror in clay. It is the first one that has overturned its votes, but not by much. And that puts the horror in clay through. Beautiful. Which is nice to have at least one of those extended spoken words go through alongside uh, the von Sudenfed stuff. And uh, as number one, molecular meditation, the 20 minute Janssen Werner art installation piece, uh, the Janssen Werner being half of Mouse on Mars. Um, let's hear, a, let's hear a, a hefty chunk of that. Is there any person in particular you want to play this from? I play a bit, I just play a few bits, play 30 seconds here and there. Let's give the people a treat. Then what don't have YouTube himself. <laughs> Is that, is that going to do it? That's a good start. That, that definitely explains to the people at home why it's in one out. <laughs> Lower of which is open to debate. The first problem of most young American males, public speaking. According to the talking ducks of the, the Russian, Russian television, This one goes through without having to play off against anything. Um, you, Phil, you voted it top. Ezra, you uh, voted it second. Tim put it top. I had it in my second uh, place. Um, it's a weird one. It's a strange that given this playlist with so many different poppy and experimental tunes on that it was the 20-minute exhibition piece that somehow won the day. But uh, sometimes life's a little bit like that, isn't it? Ezra, why did you take such a shine to this piece? Well, yeah, you know, like I liked it immediately upon hearing it. And then as I continued to listen to it, it continued to grow on me. Uh, it's, as you said in the, uh, in the chat, it's not that clear if he's actually talking about anything or just saying a bunch of words, mm -hmm. which is a theme with a lot of the solo stuff, so... You know, no change there. But I think the thing that I like the most about it is the fact that you could just slip this into an ambient DJ set 
which is a place where you wouldn't expect to trip over Marquis Smith. And for that alone, it gets big, big points. And it also sounds lovely. Um, I'm hoping that that's the man himself on the piano that we just heard, although it could be Jan St. Werner. When I read about this, if this is what I'm thinking it was, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested into the genesis of this because it was posthumous. But obviously they had some kind of a plan because in the in the words, Marky e. Smith does says, oh, welcome to Jan St. Werner's molecular meditation. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested as to how this all came about. But yeah, it's great. So it, it was recorded in 2014 and the EP that it's on has got a couple of other Smith tracks on that will come to it at so, uh, uh, some point. But I think it only came out after he died. So he, he'd had it in the bag for a few years. Um, it was um, a bespoke light and sound environment on at the corner house in Manchester. Um, yeah, Mark Smith is heard making observations on mundane objects and um, his voice forms the narrative component of an electroacoustic composition by Jan St. Werner placed in hyperreal scenario evoking a state of transformation and deceleration. I think that's, we all got a bit of that from it, no doubt. Phil, what, what did you make of this? I, I know it sounds a bit pretentious, but yeah, I think I agree with that. It is, I, when I was listening to this, you, it is like listening to a meditation tape. It is, it does take you somewhere else. And <clears throat> I, it, it probably doesn't come across in the bits that we've that we've just played, but the whole twenty-minute piece, when you're in the middle of it, it's uh, there's there's something quite transcendent about it, and there's I think it is because, or, or part of it is because he's talking about such mundane things, but he's doing it in his smithy way of <clears throat> word salading stuff up and. You know, making making words collide. Um, I think the music, soundscape, ambience about it works really well. It's really well put together. It, it builds and crescendos and falls and comes back in and in 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 perfection really with with what Smith is um, doing with his own voice. And uh, I, I thought the whole thing was quite magical. I, I wish that he'd done more meditation tips, really. I think uh, I think that would be quite a unique experience to enlighten oneself. I think so. It's, it's an interesting journey, unique in its scope, epic, but not in the sense of building uh, this, this cheesy version of epic. It's epic by just putting together all of these pieces and let it play out in front of you. Like normally with an art exhibition or installation, there would be something tying the words and music together. And there are parts, I think, where you can see maybe it's been treated, his voice, because there's a lot of post-production in this. It's not just like a recording of the live piece, I don't think. So I was trying to work out whether um, Jan Werner had done something to the voice to create the music or whether there was some back and forth or whether it's just a, a kind of a call and response thing almost but it really really works it is he has the idea is that in terms of the electroacoustic thing it's composed the music it's not random it's not a it's not a it's not a random bunch of smith words and a random bunch of bleeps and bloops as nice as that might sound synchronistically speaking uh, it's not. It's composed. He's is, and he does have a background in kind of the arty, kind of academic stuff as well as his most on Mars stuff. But it's beautiful. Every time I listen to it, it just grew. I, I listen to it again and again, which I'm not a huge fan of ambienty kind of stuff, to be honest. But uh, it really worked. Al, what did this one do for you? Yeah, I think it'd be a great flotation tank type uh, soundtrack. Um, you know, if you cut off a. Uh, 
all of the sensory kind of uh, stimulation and just kind of concentrate on this one. It could probably take you to different places on the astral plane. Um, yeah, so I, I did quite like it. And uh, I think it's one that I will um, listen to when I build my own flotation tank. Nice. Somebody uh, said, uh, Smith becomes the cobbled, the material spirit of Germanic folklore that will typically play tricks of insulted or neglected. Uses the ethereal and alienating nature of St. Werner's wobbly synths and spectral keys to offer his disgusted observations on what humanity looks like to him as a subterrestrial being. I think that's, uh, if, if we're being pretentious, I think uh, we might have got a prize for that one. What does Tim think? Can he match that description? Let's see. I'm certainly, I'm sure he'll give a good go. A worthy show, <clears throat> winner for sure. This is an absolute treat. Instead of Mark's style on the solo records of sounding like he's just reading shopping lists, here he actually sounds like he means it. And the treatment and twisting of the vocal recording make it music and not just recitation. The electronic component is exactly the kind of stuff I've wasted time messing with for years, but done well. I genuinely have little idea what it's about, but I find myself surrendering to the sound of it wholly. Every time I put it on this week, I find myself just surrendering to it completely. For me, it's the best thing I've heard in a while. Beautiful. And uh, deservedly it came top. Only by a couple of points, though. Rhino had just behind. Uh, so going through to the next round of the Marquis Smith solo bracket is <laughs> the Lacula Meditation, Rhino Head, Serious Brain Skin, Relentless Confliction, and The Horror in Clay. And that in itself is a beautiful playlist that I would not have been able to put together without making this journey. Thank you, gentlemen, for uh, accompanying me on this first painful and beautiful <laughs> Right. It's been an appeal, Brendan. Um, I shall attempt to edit this down. Some days are better than others. <laughs> and um, we shall return to our normal broadcast services next week um, with a special guest. Well, take it easy, my friends. Anything to say before we sign off? I'm glad that's over. <laughs> yes. I lost the bill to live about an hour ago. <laughs> This has been the most grueling vision quest I've ever participated in. <laughs> well, we came through better people at the end, and a, a, a still ocean does not a good sailor make, and um, we're all better for it. Have a good rest. The uh, playlist of the next week will appear in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brendan. Yeah. Bye. 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 Thanks a lot. On the straight, fucking guitar.